Sunday of Mike and uh, Rhonda's visit to our church because my wife was out of town and uh, I had been pastor here that long and uh, I just asked them, you know, two visitors and uh, wife was gone, boy was gone and I asked them, I said, would you guys mind uh, going to eat after the service? Why don't you just let me take you out to eat and get to know you guys and, uh, and they went and so got to know Mike and Rhonda uh, and then through them, Miss Dot and Miss Ruth and Marty and Teresa, their son Josh, uh, and Miss Betty and Nathaniel and Kayla, Nathaniel's son Riley, and Brother Gary. And I can definitely say that the Holman family has made, and, and they're in the process of making the Cookville Friel Baptist Church a, a lot better church. Man, if you are glad God sent that family our way, would you say amen? And I was with them last night, and, and I know some of you don't live in families where, uh, where, the Lord, where the Word of God has just guided the family and directed the family, and, and I understand that. And I respect people who are in families where that's not the case, because I know it can be a hard walk for you sometimes. You feel alone and a lot of pressure to conform to other things. But, it's all, but it is a joy, and it was last night to be with a family that they've had major problems the last year or two they've had big issues but to see a family rallied around the word of God in the midst of tragedy to be able to take confidence because Jesus Christ is a mighty fortress that they could trust Jesus with Gary and that they could let Gary go because they knew he's going to be all right with Jesus the devil does not want you to finish strong he does not want you to finish this race. He does not want you to spend your last moments calling out the name of Jesus. That is not what he wants for you. By the way, that's a very powerful thing because obviously with Brother Gary's sickness, he was on a lot of drugs there at the end to try to help with the pain because the pain was so bad. And uh, when you're drugged up that way and those things are going on, what's really in your core What's in your core, that is going to be what comes out because that's all that can come out is what is there in the deepest parts. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Man, if you need Jesus today, say amen. We need Jesus to finish strong in 2017. So we had Thanksgiving, and uh, Thanksgiving, I, I love Thanksgiving. And uh, for a while, Thanksgiving was my favorite, favorite holiday we have. Uh, and now that I have kids, you know, I, I, Christmas has taken on a little more again. Uh, it kind of changes me. You have children if you do that, and, and I, I'm enjoying that. But, I, I mean, I just love Thanksgiving. I've always loved it. And uh, I love watching the football games, and I love eating the pumpkin pie and just uh, the turkey and everything about it. By the way, if you're glad for dark meat, say amen. Dark meat. Mm. Okay. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Uh, dark meat. I was I – was, making sure that I got my share of dark meat, believe me, on that turkey. But I uh, love, love Thanksgiving. And one thing I love is uh, going outside and playing football. And so we, we were in Kentucky, and two years ago, we, it was really the first time we had done that. We just had a football game with everybody. And uh, my kids loved it. Like, they, they loved having that football game, and it was a lot of fun. And so uh, my boys have been looking forward to that this year, getting back out and playing football. Uh, in the afternoon after we eat, and they were just, you know, living this up, and they were ready, they were ready to play some football, and uh, I was ready to play some football with them too, and so we got out there, and uh, my team had the ball first, and I think it was like the second play of the game, they threw me the ball, 
and I caught I caught the ball. And we're playing two-hand touch, right? We're playing little kids, we're playing two-hand touch, and I caught the ball. And as soon as I caught the ball, of course, I'm kind of off balance. You know, I've caught it off balance, and, and, and I catch the ball off balance, and my youngest son, Owen, plows into me and knocks me to the ground. And, uh, you know, like it's Thanksgiving, and you can't really tell in the picture, but that's like the nicest, you know, they're like nice blue jeans. That's the nicest pair of blue jeans that I own, and I've only had them for a few months, and I was really, I was angry when he knocked me down uh, into the grass, and I, and I popped up. I'm like, what are you doing? And he started yelling, Laura can tell you this, he started yelling, revenge, revenge, payback. That's really what's going on. And I realized, like that. Two years ago when we had our first, because we didn't get to go last year, two years ago when we had our first Thanksgiving football game, I accidentally, it was not on purpose, I accidentally, Owen and I were on different teams, and I accidentally ran into him and knocked him over. And he got angry, he was embarrassed, right? Kids get embarrassed, and he was really embarrassed, I mean super embarrassed, and he started tearing up a little bit that first game, and he really was like, why did you tackle me? Like he was so upset. He had, like, you know, Laura and I were talking about this. He hasn't said anything about that for two years. For two years. Said nothing about it. But the first time I touched the ball, revenge! Payback. For two years, it has been in his mind waiting. I will get dad back. I will get him. Two years. Listen, we're, we're in a long race with Jesus. We're in a long run with Jesus. Yeah, we don't know what tomorrow holds, and your race might end today or tomorrow, but if it doesn't, we're in a long race with Him. And we need to. I was thinking about the way that my child had just fixated on the fact that I'd accidentally knocked him over, and he was looking for an opportunity to get me back. And so that was planted in his brain, and that became a focus that he, he just hid away, that, that that's what he was going to do. And as we finish this year, we need to have a single-minded purpose. We need to be focused on that we are going to finish strong. We need to commit today. We need to surrender today. In the midst of all these pressures, and there is a lot of pressure this time of year. Their family gets together. They're, they're trying to come up with funds for gifts. There are students that are trying to get papers and finals completed. There are those that are, are trying to uh, end their fiscal year the right way. There are all these things going on. And then there are those that deal with emotion and loss and grieving during this time of year. There's so much going on. And this morning, on this Sunday morning, I believe the bottom of my heart that if we're not careful, we'll just drift through the month of December. And we'll allow just the things that are going on to just overwhelm us this next month. And we'll just kind of drift from thing to thing to thing. And the truth is, not just in December, but every month of the year, every day of the year, the Lord God has saved you not to drift, but He saved you to a purpose and to a calling. And His Word is so clear that God does not want you or your family or your spouse or your church he doesn't want you to drift from thing to thing to thing. The Lord God wants you to intentionally walk with Him as you follow His Holy Spirit. And so today, to help us think about how we're going to finish, because the next few weeks we're going to be thinking uh, about the birth of Jesus. And so I want to go ahead as we enter this last month of the year to think about finishing strong in 2017. And if you haven't already gone there, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to read three verses. 
And these are very short verses, and they're just like very, very clear, concise statements. Do this, this, and this. Right? The Word of God, sometimes we use Scripture and we think that's not very clear, or I struggle to understand that. Everybody can get this. Everybody can understand this. This is one of those things, it's just, it, it could not be any clearer. So Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Listen to what the Word of God says. See then, so see as you, as you finish this year, see then that you walk circumspectly, or you walk carefully, not as fools. Now, don't walk like the foolish person that isn't paying attention and is just, you know, not looking around, not, not watching, going to run into things, going to trip, going to stumble. Don't walk that way. He says, listen, he says, verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, you be, because of this, because the days are evil, you be not unwise, but understand, walk understanding what the will of the Lord is. See then that you walk circumspectly, you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. This morning's text is one of those pivotal texts for understanding what the will is of the will of God for your life, for your family, for your church. Today's text confronts us with the contradiction of our age and of every age that has been around since the fall of humanity. On the one hand, it is true. Things are getting worse and worse and worse. The days are evil as man compounds the interest of his sin in evil doing. That's one part of the age in which we live. And yet there's a contradiction. The Bible makes it clear as we live in these evil days that we have more and more and more of an opportunity to influence and change our communities, our societies, our families, our very lives, our relationships for the better. If you want to understand the Bible, one way to study it is to think about paradox, because there's paradox all through the Bible. And sometimes people come to the Bible and say, well, how can it say that and say this? How can it say that and say this? And the Bible is dealing with the paradox of God had a plan for this earth and a plan for you and me, and yet sin has entered into the equation, so there's now a paradox between what God has wanted and the reality of sin and how those two things interact. And here we see one of the great paradoxes of the Christian life that is made possible by Jesus because of Jesus' confrontation with sin. We live in a world that should make us pessimists. It's a fallen world. It's a sinful world. And we see this many times. We become pessimistic about it. However, because of Jesus, the paradox is you have been empowered to live optimistically because you're looking to Jesus, so you have been empowered to live optimistically in a pessimistic age. That is why we don't dip downplay the sadness of last night. And we don't pretend as if sadness is a bad thing. There, there's a, Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Death should make us sad. And yet there was a paradox last night because in the midst of sadness, there was also a great witness to the power of the Lord as this family placed their trust in Him. So as you finish 2017, the devil wants you to live in pessimism. 
He wants you to live defeated. He wants you to live in sin. And yet there is a paradox because Jesus has called you and empowered you and given you his Holy Spirit that you might remain an optimist in the midst of this pessimistic world. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Look with me again in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. I'm going to show you three ways that he's called us to live in the midst of this age to make us different than the age we're in. First command, first thing he tells us to do is to walk intentionally. Your walk must be, your life must be one of intentionality. Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, walk carefully. Now in Greek, right, in the Greek language, uh, that Greek word there, right, the Bible's originally written in Greek, that Greek word there for walk circumspectly has a certain idea, to walk carefully. And what, what that Greek word envisions is that you are walking on a mountain path. And you're walking on a mountain path, and to the right and to the left, if you fall off of this mountain path, you will die. Your bones will shatter. You will break apart if you fall apart. So if you are walking on a mountain path, how are you to walk? You're to be very intentional. You're to be very careful. You're to watch and to see. You are to pay attention, right? It's like we told Ethan when we went on this hunting trip the other day. We told him, first time being, like, you've got to pay attention. You've got to do what you're told. You cannot goof off. You cannot act up. You've got to really focus. Today you say, how can I live optimistically in a pessimistic world? How can I live holy in a sinful world? How can I be what Jesus wants me to be for his kingdom, which is growing in the midst of the world's kingdom, which is falling and crumbling? How can I do this? The Bible says if you think you're just going to kind of stroll along in life and it's just going to happen spiritually for you to grow, wrong, wrong, wrong. See, sometimes preachers, we... Maybe don't do the best because if we're not careful, we leave people with the impression that, well, you've gotten saved, and so, you know, you're going you're gonna to be with Jesus, and so there's nothing else for you to worry about. The truth is you have been saved, yes, to be with Jesus, but not just when you die, to walk with Jesus through his spirit now. And if you're going to do that, Jesus, Jesus is very intentional. We see that in his three-and-a-half-year ministry. Jesus is very intentional in how he's engaging people and what he's doing and how he lives his life. And so it should not be surprising to us that when we are called to be like Christ, we are told the first thing you must do is you must determine that you will walk intentionally. So students, look at me. In your life, if you want to live for Jesus, you've got to be intentional. You've got to be intentional about what you're going to do. Now, I love my brother Daniel right here. This is free. This wasn't in the notes, all right? This is free. I love Daniel. When I first knew Daniel, he was a little guy. And Daniel, like when I first knew him, he wanted to be a wrestler. Remember this? He wanted to be a wrestler. And one day, I'll never forget, Daniel came to me. He was kind of upset. And he was like, Brother Charles, I hate to tell you this, but you know I want to be a wrestler. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you know if I'm going to be a wrestler, that means I have to get a lot of tattoos. Remember this? You remember this? Mom remembers. You say you don't remember. Mom, mom remembers. Daniel said, I got to get tattoos. Because he'd seen the wrestlers on TV and he knew they were all tatted up. And Daniel said, I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm sorry, Pastor Charles. I, I, I mean, I got to get tatted up. Why was he thinking that way? Because at that age, you were intentional about being a wrestler. 
and you were paying attention. Remember the gloves you used to wear? Remember the gloves? He would wear the gloves. Why? Because he wanted to be a wrestler. My kids the same way. My kids have things that they love, right? That they love. And they wear, they act, or they do whatever. Why? Because they're intentional about it. That's what they want to be. And we as Christians, sometimes we think, well, I'll just go to church on Sunday. I'll just, I'll just go to church and I'll just kind of get the overflow of what the preacher has. And I'll just get the overflow of what somebody else has. And it'll be okay. Yes, now there is something to that. The Bible does say we gather together because there is a spirit when we gather together that we do actually kind of catch. But if you think that's going to sustain you and be enough for your walk, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You've got to be intentional about what you do. You see, say, how can I live the way Jesus wants me to live? He just gives a straightforward answer. He says, well, first thing you got to do is you've got to walk intentionally, right? So what does that mean? That means don't make hasty decisions. Don't make hasty decisions. Don't let others chart your course for you. Don't live too fast just from thing to thing to thing. Don't speak too rashly. Think about, pray about, decide what is the best thing for me to do. Be intentional about it. I was glad this morning. Already this morning, you know, there are issues that go on in church, and, and somebody had the foresight to be intentional about what they were going to do and to think through, well, here's how I'm going to address this, and here's what I'm going to do. And I can just tell you as a pastor, when somebody's actually done that, and they have stopped, and they have thought, I'm going to think this through first before I act, nine times out of ten, it just turns out a lot better because you're doing what God has said. You are walking intentionally with what you do. You are paying attention, and when you do that, when you do that, you are doing what God's will is for your life. So say that after me. Say, walk intentionally. What's God's will for my life? How do I finish strong? Walk intentionally. Now, the world's answer to the fast-paced life we live in is the planner and the organizer. And those are good. And some of you need to do more planning, and some of you do need to do more organizing, right? You, you need more of that. And these things are very, very good in their place, planning and organizing. But the truth is, what you most need to deal with this age is not first a planner and an organizer. What you need first is to listen carefully to Psalm 46.10. Show them that verse. We need this. What we need in this age to thrive is we need to be still and know that I am God. You need to stop. And you need to listen and you need to be still as you're walking intentionally. And what you need to know, you got to decide what path am I going to follow? Where am I going to go? How am I going to make my decisions? And the first thing you need to remember is you need to stop. And you need to know that there is a God. You see, the world says the planner and the organizer, and those are good in their place. But what we need more than the planner and the organizer is to stop and to acknowledge the God who is there. Life is better in the midst of an evil age when you know that there is a God and you are seeking to follow Him. So husbands, look at me husbands, right? Look at me. You want to walk the right course in your marriage? Be still and know that there is a God. And what that means, being still and knowing that, implied within that, when you are still and you know that there is a God, you are being still so you can discern and know what would God have me to do in our marriage. Moms and dads, Right? Moms, dad, grandparents, uncles, aunts, whoever responsible for the child that you've got. Listen, you say, how am I going to raise this kid? 
The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes I want, I love my kids, but sometimes I want to kill them. Like I do, like, well, close. Maybe not kill them, but, you know, slay them a little bit. Don't, that's going to get me in trouble, right? Sometimes I just want to get them. I want to get them. But sometimes when I want to get them, I'm a lot better when I stop and say, be still and think through what would God wants you to do. And he'll, he'll show you how to deal with this, right? Sometimes I don't want to just get my kids. Sometimes I want to get your kids. Be still and know that I am God. Man, I don't know how I'm going to make it next semester. This semester wasn't too great, and I don't know what I'm going to do next semester. I don't know what I'm going to do because this person's not being friends with me anymore. They're not being friendly to me. I don't want to. I don't know what to do because my spouse is cheating. I don't know what to do because I've caught my husband looking at pornography on his computer. It's full of that. I don't know what I'm going to do because we're not getting the overtime that we thought we were going to do. And the Word of God says, before you do anything, be still and know, acknowledge that I am God. So number one, walk intentionally. Want to finish strong? Walk intentionally. Number two. As you're walking intentionally, as you're being intentional about your walk, there's a second thing you need to do. As you walk intentionally, seize the opportunities. Right? When you're on the right path, walking the right, right way intentionally, seize the opportunities that are there. You say, what's God's will for me? It's for Him to walk, for you to walk according to His plan and His purpose that He's given the Word of God. And as you walk as a Christ follower, when He presents those opportunities, seize the opportunities that he gives you. Look at verse 16. Redeeming the time. So as you walk, as you live your life, you're living your life redeeming the time that you have. Why do you do this? Why, why are we in the business of redeeming the time? Because the days are evil. Now redeem is a salvation word, right? Jesus redeemed us. Jesus bought us. He redeemed us. What's that mean? He bought us back from the bondage of sin, he freed us from the bondage of sin and gave us back to God the Father. Sin, our sin, our sin, we chose to not obey God. We chose not to follow God. We chose to engage in sin, and we made that choice. We, we decided sin will be my master. You say, I didn't know I did that. When you disobey the law of God, when you do that, you've made a choice. And the choice you've made is, I'm not going to follow my creator I'm going to follow this. When you do that, you are now, the Bible says, as if you are the property of sin. You have just willingly given yourself to sin. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gloriously redeems us. He, he With his own death on the cross, he gave his life a ransom for ours so that you could be freed from that curse and belong no longer to sin, but belong to God the Father. If you are glad that Jesus redeemed us and Jesus can redeem the worst sinner here, if you're glad he can do that, say amen. You say, man, I don't even know about coming to church today. I'm not real sure about you people. I'm definitely not sure about me. I know my sin. Listen, listen, just forget all that and just know this. The good news is this, that Jesus redeems sinners. So redeem is a salvation word. We've been redeemed from the power of sin. So what are we as redeemed people? It kind of makes sense, right? What are we to be doing? We are to be redeeming the time back from evil. We've been redeemed from evil. And now we to live our life when we are in situations and we have an opportunity to do good, we are to do it. And the Bible says as you do that good, it's, and I love that, I mean, that's pretty powerful that the word redeem is used there. It's as if, no, you can't save anybody. Only Jesus can do that. 
But once you've been saved by him, you can, in the situation you find yourself, you can do what is right and do what is good, and you can be an influence for the kingdom of God right where you're at. So he says, listen, as you walk carefully and you walk intentionally, as you do that, seize the opportunities to redeem the time that you've been given. The days are desperate. Evil is everywhere, which means the opportunities are boundless for the believer. Now, the Ephesians, right? Well, sometimes we think, you know, we think we have it the worst, and we think our situation in our country is the worst, and, 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 and there are a lot of bad things, but the truth is it, it's been that way for a long time. The Ephesian Christians, right? This is the book of Ephesians. The Ephesians Christians lived in Ephesus. And if you just say, Pastor Charles, what drove Ephesus at this time? Commerce and sex. Commerce and sex drove Ephesus. In fact, the temple of Artemis was at Ephesus, and that was made big, big money. Now, uh, Ar- uh, Artemis was kind of an interesting god in the Greek society, and, and she was Diana to the Romans. And Artemis um, was both the god of, goddess of virginity and the goddess of fertility at the same time. Don't ask me how that works, but that's what they did. Goddess of virginity, goddess of fertility. Now, as the goddess of fertility, what they did, right, to practice fertility, you would go to this temple, and I'm not even going to describe for you what was in that temple. You can look it up because there was just a very ungodly thing there. You could go to this temple, and you could, you could engage in sexual acts hoping that you would be fertile. And you would go there, and they would have this dark magic, and they would do these rituals, and they would do this stuff, and you would engage in, in, in ritual intercourse, and, 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 and this went on all over the place. And they took this, and I mean, the huge temple, you can see it. In fact, that temple was so big that it's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. If you look that up, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, one of them was the Temple of Artemis, and it was, it was a driver within that city of making Ephesus, where the Ephesians are, a city driven by commerce and sexuality. The people would go to that temple, and they would get worked up into a frenzy, and they would fulfill their lust with rituals that incorporated the astrology and the sorcery and the dark magic of the age. Ephesus was a very, very, very evil place. Commerce sexuality if that sounds like america say amen it does just pop on the internet you'll find out real quick by the way the donaldson fellowship one of my friends goes there um, that he did a seminar he he does the technology for uh, nashville school there in nashville next to vanderbilt very prestigious private school and he does their technology and he did a seminar at donaldson the other day at their church and i need to get him to come here he did this seminar with parents, and he showed them how your child, if they're on an iPad or on your phone, if you don't have certain protections on it, they are three clicks away from pornography at any time. Three clicks. Pay attention, parents. Three clicks. Ephesus is an evil place. And Paul looks at that, and he says, guess what? There's a lot of redemption that needs to happen. There's a lot of walking intentionally and redeeming the time that needs to happen. If your family is going to be different in a positive way, I'm not just talking about you being weird, I just mean if you're going to be positive in a very in a society where families are falling apart, if your marriage is going to be strong in a world where you can get a no-fault divorce, if your marriage is going to be strong, 
If your church is going to be strong, you must be intentional about how you walk, and you must be intentional about seizing your opportunity. So, so how do I finish strong in 2017? I'm to walk intentionally. I'm to seize the opportunities. And thirdly, we see that we are to seek God's will actively. We're walking intentionally. We're seizing the opportunities. And as we do all of that, our walk and the opportunities, we're doing with the mindset of seeking God's will. That is a state of mind. It's a state of purpose. I am seeking God's will. Look at verse 17. What's it say? Because of this, right? Because you need to walk wisely. You don't need to fall off into sin. You need to redeem the time because the days are evil. Because of this, you be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now that, understanding what the will of the Lord is, reminds me of Colossians, right? And just listen to this. Just listen. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. Listen to what Paul's going to say there. Listen to this. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, Paul says to the Colossians, he says, we do not cease to pray for you. Now what's his prayer for the Colossians? Listen to what his prayer was. We do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. So he's saying, I want you to fill up, right? Thanksgiving, we fill up on food, right? You, you, have any of you ever asked the Lord, stretch me, grow me? Have you, ever, have you ever prayed that kind of prayer, Lord, stretch me and let me grow in the faith? I know after Thanksgiving, some of you are praying, Lord, stretch me, stretch me, Lord, right? He says, you need to be filled, you need to be stretched, but not with food, right? Not with more turkey, not more dressing, not more pumpkin pie. He says, you need to be filled, but not with food. What do you need to be filled up with? With the knowledge of his will. You need to grow in the knowledge of what the will of God is. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, why do you need to know that will? Boy, this is going to sound a lot like Ephesians. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Sounds like redeeming the time. And increasing in the knowledge of God. He prays for them, I want you, to, be, I want you to, 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 to fill up on the knowledge of his will. That means we can grow in the knowledge of what God's will is. It means we can grow. There's a growth of Christianity. There's a growth of following Christ. And you can grow in your knowledge of what the will of God is for your life. So how do I do that? How do I grow? How do I finish strong in 2017? It says you've got you've to seek God's will. Well, how does that occur? And it seems to me in the Bible, there's a pretty clear pattern over and over again. How do I get filled up on God's will for my life? First, it begins by obeying the general will that he's given for all his kingdom people. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the king here, and I've got a kingdom I'm building, and I have a will for my people. And the first step in growing in his will is just being obedient to what he has said in the word of God and what he desires for us. And what you find is you begin to be obedient in what he has for, for you and just generally what he said to everybody. As you do this, you will find that some decisions become a lot easier. Not all. But if you will just obey what is in the word of God, you will quickly discover that a lot of decisions in your life become a lot clearer. When you are faced with your own particular circumstances, when you are walking according to God's general will and you seek that will, I have found time and time again, when you are doing that, 
that you will find the treasure that you seek. People say, Pastor, what's the will of God for me? How do I know the will of God? What? And, and honestly, 90% of it is do what he has said. And as you do that, you will see the doors that he opens and the doors that he closes. And you'll have freedom to walk through or freedom to not walk through. But you need to fill up on his will. And that begins by obeying what he has said. When people go to marriage counseling, and, and, and I'm blessed. I usually meet with people initially. But I also kind of know my lane, and I know, I know there's some things that I'm really not equipped to help people deal with past a certain point. I can pray with them. That's the gift of the church, and that is a powerful gift. And I can walk with people, but I'm blessed to kind of know, hey, there reaches a point that I need to turn you over to a good Christian counselor. And, and, and listen, our church is willing to help you if your marriage is in trouble and you need help and you're serious about it. We, believe me, we will help you. But you know, when it comes to marriage counseling, I don't know a lot, but I know this, both partners have to make a decision. They have to make a decision that at some point, they both have to decide, I want to make it work. And sometimes they don't. But if it's going to work, both of them have to reach a point of, I want this to work. I, I, I really want to see this marriage succeed. You say, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I grow in it? First step you've got to do is make a determination I'm going, to, I'm going to be obedient to what God has said in his word. And when you do that, not everything, but many things are going to become much clearer for you. Well, how did I finish strong in 2017? I just want to be an encouragement to you today. And this is just one of those easy to understand passages, right? There's no secrets here. This is very straightforward. So how, how, can, I, how can I grow? You seeking God's will? you got to spend time in the Word to do that, right? Don't be like the farmer. You heard about the farmer? He, he, he enjoyed listening to evangelists and preachers, and he kind of thought, maybe I ought to be an evangelist, right? Maybe I ought to move out and, and be an evangelist. And he was thinking about this, but honestly, he really didn't like to study the Bible, and he really didn't like to study the Word of God, but he liked the excitement of the evangelist up there giving it to people, and he, he thought, I think that's something I like to do. And so that farmer... He didn't really have time to get into God's Word and see what it said, but he wanted to know, maybe maybe is it God's will for me to be an evangelist or not? Have you heard about this farmer? So he went out to his field one day, and he sat down. And he sat down, and he thought to himself, he thought, Lord, if you want me to be an evangelist, show me a sign. Show me a sign if you want me to evangelist. And he looked up into the clouds. You know, I see this on kind of stuff on Facebook a lot. He looked up into the clouds. And he saw what looked like a P and a C up in the clouds. And he thought to himself, I've seen my sign. Clearly the clouds are telling me today that I am to P, preach, see Christ. I'm to go and preach Christ. So he sold everything he had. Told his wife, told his kids, I'm going to be an evangelist. And he went out and he started to preach because he'd seen the P and the C clouds in the sky. He got done preaching his First message, got done with the message. His father, who's a wise man, had come to hear him preach, and he got done with his first message and got done and walked up to his dad after the service, and he said, Dad, what'd you think? And his dad went, hmm, I was pretty sure when you told me you saw a P and a C in the sky that what God was really trying to tell you was get off your butt and plant some corn. Now, 
I don't get in Facebook arguments because that's no good. You can't win. But there have been some people that I've seen them show things they saw in the sky and all this stuff. And I know them very well, and I've known them my whole life. And I sometimes want to comment and say, quit looking at the skies and start obeying the word of God. Start obeying and get down where it is and do what it says. You see, those Greeks, they were always looking for signs. And they would go to their oracles and they would go to their temples and they would try this and they would try that. And they would try this and they would try that. And the Apostle Paul saw it all and he stood up in the midst of this Greek world and he stood up in the midst of all their wisdom and all their signs and he stood up and he said, there's only one sign you need. Jesus on the cross. That's what you need. That's what you need. My friends, you say, I want to do God's will and I want to obey God's will and I want to grow in the will of God. And I would say to you today, get in the word of God and start being obedient to that word. And if you do that, you will watch as he unfolds and he shows you what his purpose is for his kingdom. Now. I said that about the signs because I want to tell you this. I believe it's in the cross and I believe that's where it's at. But having said that, I want to tell you that I also think I believe this with everything in me and, and pastoring and being in hospitals and being around death has confirmed this for me a thousand times over. I can't prove it to you, but I believe it. The will of God is found in his word, but I found that people that stay in the word of God, I have found that at times God does reveal things to them, not things against his word. But he lets things happen that confirm in their spirit that I got this, I got this. Text Brother Marty when I left last night. Right after he died, and they went to bring the hospital bed in, they were having a stand so Riley, their grandchild, could not see them rolling out. And we were around Riley, and so we were joking and trying to cut up and do some things where Riley would not watch his grandfather being rolled out of the house. And uh, and Marty started telling me this story about Brother Gary. And uh, he started telling about how Brother Gary, there's this band in Cookville called the Legacy Band. I don't know if you know about them, but they, they play like hits, radio hits from old, old days. And uh, they, they do all this stuff. And they said one time they were out somewhere and that Legacy Band was playing and they were taking requests. And Marty said that Gary kept yelling up at the stage. Every time they'd play a song, they'd get done. Gary would yell out, turn the page, turn the page. I don't know if you've heard that Bob Seger song, turn the page. George, you have. I can tell that smile right there. Marty said every time that band would get done, he'd start yelling, turn the page, turn the page. Finally, after five or six times, that legacy band, they looked down and said, we don't know, turn the page. We don't know it. We laughed. He rolled his body out. Gave a few hugs. Walked into my car. Turned the radio on. 
And you know what song was playing on the radio? Turn the page. Is my faith in that? No, my faith is in the cross. But I have I found, and you can you can laugh if you want, and you can say, and uh, my salvation is not in that. Do not get me wrong, but let me tell you something. I have found when you walk with Jesus and you do what you're supposed to do, not every time, but when you need it, he will show you a sign that you need. He will do it. But what I want to say to you today is if you're going to finish strong, you don't start first looking somewhere else. If you want to finish strong, you look to God's word and you look to Jesus and as you walk intentionally in that, you will find that when you need it, the Lord will he'll give you a little something to let you know, keep on walking right where you are, right where you are. God is good. Say amen. Now, my friend, listen to me. Brother Gary was ready. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He knew he didn't want to fight the pain anymore. He didn't want to do that. This body was breaking down. The curse of sin. He knew Jesus freed him from that. Let it go and go on to where Jesus is ready for him. question is, are you ready for that? Young person, are you ready to walk according to the will of God? You say, I want these great things. That's good to want. But are you willing first to walk intentionally and to walk carefully and to grow with the Lord? Say, I, I don't want to be bound to these sins anymore. Are you willing and are you ready today to walk with Jesus, He will redeem you. He will save you. He will give you a hope beyond any earthly hope. But you must seek His will, and that begins with following Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord God, I ask today that you would use this message and you would use this service. Lord, I pray, Lord, that if there's a sinner here today that's not following Jesus, that, that when it comes to the end, they won't be able to call his name out of trust, Lord. It'll be out of fear, Lord. If there's one who has given their life to him, Lord, I pray that they would come today and they would call upon Jesus and they would find that he will redeem them and save them. Lord, if there's one that is heavy and they're burdened down, they've been asking you, Lord, give me a sign. Lord, show me something. For today, I pray your spirit would speak to them that you have. You've shown them your word. And you're calling them today to walk with you and to trust you. Lord, if there's a dad or a mom, Lord, a wife, a mother, a child. Lord, they just, they just don't know what to do next. Lord, they don't know the next step. Lord, help them to come today and to kneel and to trust. And to look to you and allow you to turn the pages of their life. Lord, you use this time. Lord, if there are those that want to pray for the Holmans, if there are those that want to pray for their own lost loved ones, whatever it is, Lord, you use this time. We ask this in your name. Amen.